0: welcome back to the defiant spirit i'm dr Bar levy also known as b and i am joined in my virtual studio with my friend colleague and almost permanent resident at the defiant spirit now on the podcast julie mouse hi julie
1: hi there b thanks for having me again
0: thanks for have thanks for coming back for more for more for today enneagram for for those of you who haven't joined us we've been expanding this space what does that mean As my teacher mentor, Viktor Frankl said, between stimulus and response, there is a space. And in that space lies our power to choose our response. And so Julie and I have been talking about, well, if between stimulus, things happening to us, and our either reacting or responding, there's a space, what's the quality of the space? What kind of space? And as we've been exploring, there isn't a space. There are spaces. And those spaces, many ways to talk about those spaces, we're talking about them from the lens of the Enneagram, nine different spaces, nine different types. All in, they're all in us, each one of these types. However, we all have a default space, a default type that we sort of go to when we're on autopilot or when we're in fear. And so we're exploring how to expand that space so we can stop reacting and choose our response. And that brings us to Enneagram for the individualist. There's a lot of names for this one. What are some other names, Julie?
1: Um, The Reformer. Uh, oh, I mean sorry, the romantic is what I was like to say. or the tragic romantic. the reformer's the one. <laughs> um, or the artist.
0: The artist, the uh, the Bohemian. Mm-hmm. It's always this vibe of countercultural, of expressive, creative. I think for me, this is one of the easier types to spot, right? I can't I wouldn't type somebody, but I sense when I'm in the presence of a four, they just have a uniqueness, which is why in the system that I'm sort of ascribing to, they're called the individualists. I'm not sure it's the best word, but it's it's a little less loaded than the romantic, right? We start going down a path of, oh, this, no, it's not romantic in the sense of romance per se, but romantic in the sense of, and, and I think you're right, Julie. There's an idealism, right? Ones for the reformer fours the individualist, and seven, the enthusiasts are the idealist triad. There's an idealism, and that's the romanticism, like a, mm-hmm. a perfect, not the the one that we've already talked about is more of a perfection. This is more of a of a longing for an ideal.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. What else
0: do you say about the four?
1: Well, what I love about fours, and I feel like our culture doesn't support fours being out in the world more because We need to see the world the way they do more, just the way they see the beauty. And sometimes this longing can make them feel like they don't fit in or um, there's something missing in them when in actuality, it makes them see a better way things could be. And this like beauty that exists that many of us are so caught up in our personality traps that we don't see. And I I heard someone say this recently, like, we need you forced to step up and help us see what you see
0: it's easy for us to say, but when you've created an ecosystem that doesn't encourage them to step up or step out, Mm -hmm. it takes a lot of courage. You know, I was listening to Susan Kane, who wrote the book, um, quiet. And then Mm -hmm. she wrote another book recently called melancholy. Mm -hmm. And those are both four ish books, especially melancholy, because that's the, I think it was called melancholy or something. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's all, and she's, she's a self-avowed four. she said. So, um, But melancholy is something that we medicate, that we put as a dark emotion that we, you know, I grew up in a home where there was melancholy um, to the point where it became depression. And those aren't the same thing, but we didn't talk about the melancholy before it became depression. And we certainly didn't talk about the depression.
1: Yeah. Where fours are just really comfortable talking about melancholy, that bittersweet quality in life
0: that's what it was called yes
1: and because i tend to be in that toxic positive positivity tra- group is a 9 there was a long time where i didn't understand fours where i'd be like why are you like that or how could you even be that way and i've i you know as a mindfulness teacher i have completely flipped that where now when i see a four being over emotional like a soup they ha- tend to have really big highs and really big lows that are a little uncomfortable for me And that's not their problem. That's my problem. And in fact, one way we can help fours bring that out and find their center is to not blame them when they're overwhelming you because they're being who they are. And I've um, taken that on as one of my practices. When I see someone who's over-emoting, I can feel this discomfort because I like things to stay positive. And if I can just breathe them, let them be who they are and not judge them, it's such a good practice for me to, you know, nines tend to emesh in other people. So instead of doing that, if I can stay in my own space and allow them, that actually helps them ground a little bit.
0: And it's interesting that you are a nine and you're describing it because nines and fours can have a similar pulling back or withdrawing energy. So that's the mm-hmm. Susan Cain's book, Quiet, where you intersect. Bittersweet is where you diverge. Mm-hmm. The nines aren't necessarily comfortable, at least in reaction, with feeling. Mm-hmm. Even though people like almost describe them like they're the feeling triad, nines aren't. They're a body. They're a gut. I'm in gut type two. I'm an eight. So we're not comfortable naturally in feeling fours navigate the world through feeling. It's like a bat uses sonar, a four uses emotion. Mm -hmm. And I know that firsthand because I'm married to one and I'm raising one of my kids as a four. And they both go to an emotional way of sort of feeling their way through a situation that I'm also uncomfortable with it. And I also find myself trying to control or contain it. Mm -hmm. And I've also had to learn the hard way how to make room for it.
1: Yeah, and maybe even they have something to teach us.
0: And learn from it. (laughs) Right, right. right. Fours feel their heart. They feel their, my Ariella always says this, and it sounds like the most obvious thing in the world, but she'll say to me, because I'll go into action. That's what eights do. So Mm -hmm. I'll just be angry and I'll do, she says, feel your feelings. Mm -hmm. Like, can you think of like a more, simplistic statement and yet the truth is in that i'm not feeling my feelings i'm acting my feelings mm-hmm. right. or feel now fours are not like perfect they need to act to get out of feeling but starting with their superpower they know how to feel their feelings
1: yeah so and that's where i really um relate to fours is that i'm also i need to act like i also am acting repressed and you know why they call us the sloth because we sometimes um can't see what we need to do and it's actually we need to get into doing and so just like a four when they're experiencing their highs and lows and just trying to think about them and process these feelings and just kind of wallow in them or what i've heard some people call it like ruminate they can tend to rumination and just get stuck in that if they can just go act and just get into their body um and, you know, again, I'll bring the mindfulness piece on board. If they can catch themselves like, oh, I'm in one of those highs and just pause for a moment, just re- literally just stop, stop, bring it down just a notch. They can maybe see, bring the thinking on board that can help them see what they need to do. And it's usually something physical so that they can f- figure out what to do with this feeling and thinking that they have going on.
0: So it's, a, it's such a beautiful type. I think of, um did you ever see the movie, the green mile? Yes. Great. You, know, you know, the, the guy, the, the big guy in it, who's persecuted. Yes. You know, he absorbs people's pain. Mm-hmm. Right. And he makes them, right. he, but he, but he pays a price, right. right? He, he mm-hmm. suffers. And so I see this with fours Ariella. She's a healer. She absorbs people's pain and suffering. Now, as a professional, she's had to learn how to set up boundaries so that she doesn't take it home with her, so to speak. Mm -hmm. I see with my um, 12-year-old, who's a four, he hasn't learned those boundaries. So he'll come home from class suffering, and I'll talk to him. And it takes me like five minutes to figure out this didn't happen to him. It happened to somebody else. You know, the fancy word for it in psychology or in the Enneagram is called introjection. And Mm -hmm. that is what, simply put, what I call fishing for suffering. Mm -hmm. They go to class, they cast out their line, they hook some suffering, they reel it in, they make it their own, and then they start losing the distinction. Is this mine or is this somebody else's? And so halfway through the conversation, I'll be like, Aviv, this didn't even happen to you. He's like, I know what happened to them. I'm like, why are you suffering? He's like, because I'm a four, by the way. (laughs) Right. He loves you. Yeah.
1: This friend of mine says she just finds herself like ruminating on these topics. And and at some point she realized they're just stories and some of them aren't even true, but she just can't help hashing them. Have you heard that expression, fours um, don't have feelings, they are feelings? Yeah.
0: That's yeah. A, that's so right. Yeah. And, and there's a Talmudic or a Kabbalistic saying that says, what is truer than the truth? The story we tell about the truth. Yeah. So facts aren't relevant in that the story we're telling about the facts become our reality and for this look this is why fours are they're artists there are so many artists who are fours Mm -hmm. i think if you're a deep brooding artist quite likely you're a four because they tell the story of what the rest of us just see as the facts
1: right right and you know i know i've been talking about mindfulness with each number. But specifically, I see it so strongly in the four that if they can learn that magic of the the literal magic of the pause, because when they pause and they can rein in this, this longing, this only seeing what's missing, this kind of ruminating we're talking about, and all of a sudden, you know, pause in that, they can see this beauty and bring this beauty to the world just effortlessly. I was talking to this friend of mine and she was. She must have related, I was asking her about being a four and she must have related in our half hour conversation, like four stories about um, just naturally connecting with people in the grocery store, in the elevator, on an airplane. They just have this natural relational feel that when they're not caught in like envy and, and longing and what's missing, it just flows out of them. And we all need it and feel it. <laughs>
0: And that's a gift of the heart triad because twos do the same thing. Twos put their attention more on you, your needs, your feelings. They're not always good at sifting through their own. Fours are so good at knowing their feelings and sharing them that it's an intimacy. They just have a natural, in, you know, Wayne Dyer, into me see. And foresee see themselves and they let other people in to be seen, to, to see them.
1: Yeah, I think sometimes people can judge because their their vice is, is envy, that they're jealous. And, and really, it's more just this focus on what's missing in them, not that they, they're not jealous. They're just it, when they see something, it makes them notice what's missing in them. And when they're able to let that go and just see their own unique quality, they also want everyone else. They want to bring out everyone's unique quality. They're not jealous. They don't want people to not be as good as them. They actually, I think, are naturals at showing people their own uniqueness.
0: So let's distinguish you know, it's, it's, there's a difference between jealousy and envy. Yes. And I think what, you know, what people are thinking is jealousy. I want what you have. It's not, I want what you have. It's, it's desire. You know, our words are limited, but it's a desire. And in, uh, in Hebrew, it's called cheshek, but it's like this. Burning desire of I I I I'm, I'm um miss like you described I'm missing something and if I just had that I wouldn't burn so hot feel so lonely feel so much suffering as a case in point I think of like a Michael Jackson who like it just. There was this missing desire, always a longing, and you could just watch the man change over time, trying to find that missing piece. And your heart starts breaking when you Mm -hmm. see a four who crumbles under the pressure or the suffering that they've just put on themselves. Mm -hmm. By the way, why there are so many four artists who end up taking their lives. Yeah, so back
1: again to why I think mindfulness is such a beautiful, powerful practice for fours, because that high is part of their beauty. But if they don't catch the that high or those depths of despair that they go to, if they can't catch them and pause, then we don't get to see that gift for the world because they're just kind of wallowing in that.
0: And they can crumble under or be crushed under the weight of that darkness. Um, yeah. I was told I- that-
1: I right. think they get judged a lot by other people because they are intense. They're, they are a little high maintenance and yeah. it takes. they don't want to just have surface relationships. And so it takes time if you want to be in a relationship with a four.
0: Um, and along those lines, you know, Victor Frankel, my teacher is probably a four, out of the Holocaust, wife murdered, unborn child murdered, parents murdered, brother murdered, family murdered, four years, incarceration, et cetera. And his mantra was, I am here to transform tragedy into triumph. Mm. And the inspiration that comes from those who are willing to face and embrace and transform suffering into something meaningful is, the, I think, the ultimate human expression. And yeah, right. That's four. At
1: yeah. The best. yeah, Um this, this friend that I mentioned I was talking to, she told the story of being on an airplane and there was a lot of turbulence. And she just sensed that the person in front of her was about to have a panic attack. Mm-hmm. She goes, I don't know what came over me. I just reached through and put my hand on her shoulder. And I'm like, wow, I would never do that. The nine? <laughs> yeah And you know I'd be worried about how they'd react. And she just felt that this person needed a little grounding and she was able to give that
0: that's a really great example of but that's um that's that empathic yeah. feel right i can feel your feelings now again the work is oftentimes in the blessing and the curse and mm-hmm. making sure and so standing guard against is it mine mm-hmm. is this mine you know or am i overstepping a bound mm-hmm. in that that is not mine, and I, you know, it's not mine to take on right now. I don't have to watch Sally Struthers on TV and uh, Africa children starving, and then it takes me down a hole. And then by the end of the day, because I watched that infomercial, and I like, you have to stand guard against taking on the world's suffering, and take on what's yours, and discern. And there's an actor, and that's why there's a line between four and one, discernment. Boundaries, borders, structure.
1: Yeah, and the structure and discipline. Um, the same friend talked about the, this. She was a PTA president of her school. Mm-hmm. And I love this because um, she talked about how going to those meetings every week was the heartbeat of her week. And all I could think of was, wow, that's such a great description of how when fours have discipline and something structured, it actually grounds them into their best self.
0: Absolutely. That's really powerful. So um, Enneagram 4 as the sort of creative, the expressive, here to, I I think of the 4s as here to give voice, right, to the thing that we all can kind of touch and taste and feel, but we can't quite articulate. Mm-hmm. And they have this power. I, Ariella does this all the time, where she'll name experiences that I'm feeling, but I couldn't quite put my finger on it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What a power!
1: Yeah. And also,
0: by the way, I have four kids. I see it in my youngest in ways I don't see it in his siblings, who are ten. He's twelve. His oldest is his oldest sibling is twenty one.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Sounds like he's sometimes seventy.
1: Yeah. Right. Especially if there's some other people in the family that need a little bit of that heart.
0: (laughs) Yeah, like because his siblings are all gut types, eight, Mm -hmm. nine, and one, Mm -hmm. and so they look at him like he's almost a foreigner, uh, speaking a foreign language. (laughs) Because he is. (laughs) He is. Which is not coincidence that he's in a dance. He's a dancer. Mm -hmm. Struggles on the playground at his old schools when they pick up the bat and the balls, because that's a rougher. Culture. That's a and he what he likes is to express. And he doesn't, I mean, I played sports, you can express yourself. But he always had a hard time accessing his emotion in those playground games or those playground conversations. Mm-hmm. But I also see that as a curse, mm-hmm. right? Because the world can't live in depth, indefinitely. Yeah.
1: I find when I've worked with parents who have fours that learning about fours is so helpful that there's not something wrong with them because they don't fit into this three culture we live in. And if anything, uh, you know, again, they just want to be seen. And so try and figure out what it is that is their calling or is their expressiveness, like you were saying with your son, as opposed to like, why can't you fit in with with what all the other kids are doing your age? See it as his gift. And the more they figure that out, the more they'll find their gift to the world.
0: Well, think about how many young fours, you know, didn't have a parent or somebody in their life to support and nurture that. We just watched Billy Elliot. Oh, Oh, great movie. Yeah. Right. I mean, like a culture, there's no judgment, different time, different place. We do the best we can where we are with what we have. Mm -hmm. But my son raised by my great grandfather who came here from the old country Would have been squashed. Mm -hmm. I am not saying I'm the great parent. And I am not saying we live in a different era where, like, there is a place called here in town, DSA, the Denver School of Arts. And there is a pathway for a young boy to express himself in this mode. And Mm -hmm. it is not completely accepted, but certainly more accepted. But just thinking about all the context and all of the people and all the things that have to be around a four to support them or else they won't be seen.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Just allowing them to express their emotion and then encouraging them again, back to that mindfulness thing to find that middle ground. You you got this, you know, you, when it gets really high, you need to pause. Maybe you need to go for a walk, do something physical. And so that you can find, bring it down to that middle ground where your natural sense of equanimity, which the fours, that's their virtue this sense of being okay with everything and being in that middle ground just comes out of them.
0: And, and I am no, like I said before, I'm no, I don't want to pay myself as a perfect parent. So here's an example of I've had to learn. I would, I, I wouldn't yell at my son when he get in the car, but when he would start going down this path of talking about all these kids suffering, I would say something to the fact of get over it, mm. right? d- deal with it, like d- pick yourself up, dust yourself off, move on. So that's me trying to impose my, my three-ish culture on him, my eight-ish culture mm. on him. And, and trying I've, to
1: protect him because that's what the society's going to do to him. And, and try to protect him and
0: and yeah. and also help him regulate. Yeah. Right. And but what I've had to learn to do, and Arielle has taught me this after twenty four years, I'm starting <laughs> here, is put the imaginary garbage can in front of him, and say, "Is there anything else? Is there anything else?" It's, you know, probably say it nicer than that ish sound, and letting him emotionally vomit. Because once it's out, he doesn't have to carry it with him anymore. Yeah. So I've had to learn how to adapt to his world
1: and bring him along into my world. Yeah. Just giving him the opportunity to let it, let it all out somewhere safe with his dad so that he can then regulate himself back. Because it doesn't
0: go away. Like for me, it's like, why doesn't this go away? And I can't explain, but it doesn't.
1: Well, and all the four wants is to be seen, right? They, They want you to see them. So if you sat there and just... Let him vomit all that done. All of a sudden he's like, okay, I've been seen. Whew. Now I can bring this down and be my equanimist self.
0: And again, challenging yourself if you're listening to this as a four, that you know, facts sometimes are what they are, and feelings aren't always the defining factor in things. And so finding that balance between, you know, kind of a harder, colder truth reality facts and feelings and finding a counterbalance for that because otherwise feelings can run rampant and you know cause havoc just like the absence of feelings can do it Mm
1: -hmm. right right so i mean that's again where i just think some mindfulness skills of learning that pause is really invaluable for fours in order to regulate these highs and lows that are just part of being a four
0: so that's a good segue into let's um Let's offer some mindfulness strategies and you'll take us through the experience for four. And if you're listening, it's not that you have to be a four to benefit from this, because as an example, I act like an eight, but my whole type, some people call it the tri-type is I act like I think eight, I feel like a four. Mm -hmm. I'm guessing you feel like a two two or a four? Two, yeah. So, you know, but, but if Julia shows me how she sort of rank orders her strategies, four's in there. Mm-hmm. Fours in all of us. So as you're listening to this, really put yourself into the four. It may speak to your core type. It may speak to your mm-hmm. whole type. It may just speak to you as a human being navigating the world with a little bit of four in you. Yeah. Yeah. So with that, we'll go into our meditation. And as I've been expanding the space with all of them, we start with that idea, pausing for a moment. Between stimulus and response, there is a space. And in that space lies our power to choose our response. And in our response lies our growth and our happiness. This is expanding the space for Enneagram 4, the individualist.
1: So let's start by just taking two deeper than normal breaths. And as you exhale, roll your shoulders back and down. And then bring your attention to the bottom of your feet. Start our mindfulness practice here as far away from our head as we can to disconnect from the constant thinking mind. What sensations do you notice on your feet? Maybe the contact with the floor, sense of temperature, tingling. And when distractions, Bring your attention away, either thoughts, sounds, body sensations. Just notice when that happens. And without judgment, bring your attention back to your feet. What are you noticing now? Maybe on the sole of the foot, or the top, or the toes. And now moving your awareness to your hands, feel the contact of the hands with your legs or wherever they're placed, maybe with each other. Again, noticing sensation. So not thinking about your hands, but feeling the sensations that are there. And these simple practices of bringing your attention to your body, like the hands and the feet, can be super helpful for fours to bring that head, that body intelligence on board. And at the end of your next exhale, release your attention from your hands. I'm gonna bring our awareness to your breath. And for this practice, We're going to use an an ujjayi breath, which is often used in yoga, but bringing a little more physical awareness to the breath can be helpful for fours. Again, bringing that body awareness online. So, bring in some constriction to the back of your throat. And so that when you breathe in, there's actually a little bit of an audible sound. And then keep that constriction as you breathe out. And again, there's an audible sound. It's almost as if you're when you um, blow with your breath on a window pane to make a fog except that your mouth is closed. So breathing with this constriction, is called Ujjayi breath. You might notice a little sound. It just brings a little more subtle awareness of the breath. On your next exhale, release the ujjayi breath and just breathe normally. And bring to mind another person in your life. So we're shifting from the breath to your mind and imagining. So bring them to mind a person who has something you wish you had, whether it's something physical about them, something professional about what they do, something relationship-wise that they have that you don't have, or maybe a lifestyle they have that you don't have. So bring one of those to mind, picturing it, maybe noticing any emotions that arise when you think of that. And then see if you can bring a curiosity to how your body feels as a result of thinking that. So keeping that image in your mind, but bring your awareness to maybe your torso area. And where are you noticing that that emotion is landing in your body? For fours, there's often a deep in their gut feeling, almost like, Hardly manage the emotion. And then in the digestive system sometimes. Not trying to change it or get rid of it. We're actually trying to get to know what our body does in reaction to these thoughts. So maybe toggle back and forth between that image of this person that has something you wish you had. To how is my body reacting to thinking about that? Just being with that sensation with what I call loving awareness. Oh, that's what happens when I think those thoughts. as you're ready, releasing that image and bringing your focus back to your ujjayi breath. So back to the constriction in the back of your throat. So you find yourself moving away from the head and the gut and back to your throat. Constricted and noticing each inhale, following it with your attention, noticing the pause, and then following the exhale. And sometimes when we've done an exercise like this, your attention will be pulled back to that image. Just notice that. That's not a problem. It's just a habit. See if each time it happens, you can bring your attention back to the next breath. Maybe listening to the audible sound. And The next exhale, releasing your attention or to the breath and releasing the ujjayi breath, and take a moment to go back to that space place in your gut or in your body that you were feeling a reaction to the image, and see if that's shifted at all. And then, as you're ready, you can relax your relax your posture, or maybe open your eyes if they're closed, and just. Take a moment to reflect on what happened there, because the value of these mindfulness practices, just getting to know what happens when we're gripped by something that causes reaction in us, because I mean, we can just stay in loving awareness with that sensation. So whatever sensation arose for you, that's your work, is staying with that sensation, bringing your awareness, because that's what causes you to go to that place of envy or go to that place of wallowing and longing and then the world misses your gift. So, um, the mindfulness practice. And then for, uh, I use the Ojai breath for a four because bringing things to physical, like bringing into your body is really helpful. So it could be just to your hands, your feet, but something in your body to help ground you when you're, when that sensation in your torso is telling you, Oh, I'm, I'm in that space. That's not my healthy space.
0: Thank you so much. Yeah, as you're saying that, um, it's a good segue to next um, conversation on five because four and five are at the bottom of the Enneagram for a reason. It's the darker, thicker emotions, right? The denser stuff and fives can end up living their life in their head, fours can live their life in their emotions. So they both Mm -hmm. tangible, practical ways back out into the world. So this is incredibly helpful.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. so i think that's probably a good place to end because i'm kind of choking here Um, (laughs) yeah any final words
1: Um, no i just um just i appreciate all the fours out there who are trying to help us see the world a little differently and keep up the good fight the culture needs you
0: (laughs) thank you for helping us feel our feelings yeah and so with that we will talk to you next time or see you next time as we explore of course after four comes five enneagram five the investigator until the next time defy your number live your spirit thank you julia thank you thank you for listening to the defiant spirit podcast with me your host dr baruch halevi if you like what you heard please consider leaving a five-star review and share this podcast with others to learn more about the defiant spirit and get more inspirational content, or see how we might work together to live your Defiant Spirit, visit defiantspirit.org. Until then, take back your power and live your Defiant Spirit.